Hey guys, it's Mom Taraj, the podcast about being a mom that thinks that most mom stuff is super boring. So we created our own posse. I'm Ashley. And I'm Carrie. And we are ready to walk you down the red carpet of motherhood. everyone. Hi, friends. We have got a great show today. We are talking all Judy Bloom all the time. Homegirl from New Jersey. You know her. You love her. You read her. We're also talking to Rachel McAdams, some incredible filmmakers. Judy Bloom herself. Yep. A whole slew of amazing people that are involved in upcoming Judy Bloom movies. Are you there, God? It's me, Margaret, and Judy Bloom forever, and you are going to love it. Plus, we have our editor, Oh my god, hi. She loves Judy as much as we do. If not more. Eve is a really funny gal. She's the glue that holds us together. Anyway, we've got her back and we're very excited. And as always, we have our hashtag swag bag. But up next, take it away, small child. Kicking shit. So my tits are, I'm a track coach. Although I had a real nervous experience. One of the track coaches is a mom of one of the kids I directed in the play, which I didn't realize. Thank God I didn't say anything. Not that I would have. I love directing the play. I had said, oh yeah, my other job, I do this podcast called Momtrage. Yeah, I wouldn't tell people at a school job. I mean, I did. But I've also told Luna's teachers and I'm like, it's irreverent. And then later she texts me. She's like, what's the name of the podcast? And I was like, oh no. It's just not necessarily appropriate. I think more than anything, you talk shit so casually. You're like, so this mom at the thing <laughs> said this thing. Well, I'm never talking about co-workers, but I'm just so nervous that a mom is going to get offended that I'm talking about penis sizes of celebrities. Teachers get fired for less. Oh, you're a teacher now. I'm a coach, guys. Coach, sorry. You're in the teaching world. Maybe don't tell people about mom trash at work. Listen, I was taking a call with you about Judy Bloom, and they wanted to know. Tell them to mind their own fucking business. So that's my tips, but with a slight shits of when you have a podcast where your main thing is you just talk about everything, it is a little like, hmm. My shits are, I went to yet another doctor. (laughs) Everyone is like, stop with this. And I went to my endocrinologist and he gave me a blood test. He's like, let's just give you the blood test to see if you're fully in perimenopause or whatever. And the blood test came back that I am in menopause. I will no longer ever get a period ever again. So I, in the history of the world, have had the most dramatic and shortest year and a half of perimenopause menopause. And I guess I'm just fully paused. How do you feel about it? I don't know. I don't know how I feel about anything. I've been in a real hate spiral the last couple days. I'm like, hate everyone, hate everything, everything's terrible. I kind of liked getting my period. In my hippy-dippy way, I was like, it means that I'm in touch with what's going on in my body. And this is a good time to rest. And this is when I need to up my iron. It just felt like it was an important part of checking in with myself. I don't know that I would miss my period. I think what I'm scared of is not being vital. No, it's all the other things that I'm going to take on in its place. Years of mood swings in a more dramatic manner and vaginal dryness. Hair loss, bone density loss, zero sexual... Yeah, that I haven't encountered yet. Do you take the evil you don't know or the evil you do? My doctor was like, no wonder you've had a really hard year and a half. I was like, I've been screaming at you guys to pay attention to me that this has been so hard. The upside of that, though, is 
that you didn't even realize you were going through one of the hardest things that women ever go through. True. And now it's over. She did realize she was perimenopausal. Right. She didn't realize that she was fully menopausal. You didn't realize how quickly it would come. Well, usually it takes people like 15 years to fully go through it. Once you figure all that shit out, I've heard that life becomes so much better. Well, let's hope it starts soon, bitches. Sometimes I just think, don't we just deserve some fucking peace? Don't we just deserve a period where everything is just good? My grandmother had this friend named Mildred. Mildred was a bad bitch. Her husband died when she was young. She had kids, they didn't like her. Oh, wow. And Mildred just lived her best life. Mildred was thin. Mildred had money. Mildred ate M&Ms whenever she wanted. She was unbothered, moisturized, and in her lane. When can I get my Mildred time? Her skin looked good. She always had a pop lip. Her nails were done. And she didn't give a shit about anything. If your own kids don't like you, it's never a good sign. Well, she was very nice to me. That's all that matters. I'm sure if you went to her children with that, they would just be, oh, you're right. Yes. You're right. We yes. saw this whole thing incorrectly. Eve, what are yours? So my tits are, everything's going really well. I just came out of such a terrible spiral. Somebody grabbed my vagina as I was coming out of the subway during daylight. All this stuff that was so overwhelming. So because of that, not that I like recommend getting your pussy grabbed by a stranger, but because of that, I've had to do all this self-help stuff and just try to get my ducks in a row and trying to pay down my debt and stuff. So my biggest tip to come from all of that. Get your pussy grabbed, pay down your debt. Yeah, 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 exactly. Maybe Trump was actually kind of an ally. (laughs) (laughs) He's really supporting women. Once they meet him, they're like, I got to get my shit together. You know what? Here's my one step plan to helping you get out of debt. I'm just going to grab you by the pussy. You're going to instantly just debt be gone. This is kind of tangential to that. But basically, I am doing a comedy hour in the Edinburgh Fringe Festival this August. It's called Dead Mom Stuff. Very funny. Also about my pussy. (laughs) (laughs) I had entered this contest. I thought if I get into it, then it's a good opportunity to work on my show before I go to Edinburgh. And they got back to me and said, well, actually, this isn't a good match for you. But if you want to do a week here before you go to Edinburgh, we will have your show here while you workshop it. That's cool. I'm name dropping the Soho Playhouse clang. I'm getting to do a week there in July. So that's my big tits. I think that's great. Thank you. You will both be there. Yes, of course. Carrie will be coming to see the more raw, shitty versions that I'm working on between now and then. Ashley has told me that I only get one. I don't leave my house that often. So, you know, make it count. I will also drive you to the airport. Yeah, I will not. Oh, you know what's always better? Picking up from the airport. I'll do that too. My shits are, I'm really tired. I am doing so much work. I've never done this much work in my entire life. I'm so tired that it's hard to feel good. You're flying very close to the sun. It's hot up there. Yeah, well, I edit some podcasts and then I nanny sometimes and then I do stand up and I'm working my show and I try to be a good daughter and a good friend to Carrie who needs me. Thank you. It's true. I am not on this podcast often. Everything I say is staying in. Nothing is getting edited out. (laughs) (laughs) And you, Ashley? My tits are last week was Sebastian's spring break. We had a really nice mom Sebastian time and I mom so hard. I've never mommed this hard in my entire life and I realized, oh, you know what it is? COVID's totally gone. Life is as much back to normal as I think it's ever going to get. So it was just nonstop and busy, but it was nice. I took him to the Encanto thing in the city at camp. 
which was very expensive, but he enjoyed it. And then my shits are, I have a UTI. I'm very grumpy because of it and trying really hard not to be grumpy. But all I want to do is sit on the toilet and drain. And drain? Is it- <laughs> yeah, that's what I call it. When you have a UTI and you just sit on the toilet and you're just letting pee come as it comes. I just call it draining. Oh, God. Just get a catheter already. Jeez. I didn't call my doctor because my doctor is going to make me fucking come in. I know I have a UTI. Just give me the fucking medicine. Right. So I found one of those mail order prescription things online. They sent me my medicine. And since I've been here recording, I'm feeling a little bit better, which is great. Why do you think you have a UTI? I have no idea. I did have sex with my husband. (gasps) Slut. I like that you had to say with your husband. Who else are you having sex with? I just wanted to clarify, in case anyone wondered. To my knowledge, he is not having sex with anyone else. But that's not what causes a UTI. He does not have a dirty dick. So I'm not really sure. I peed after. Sometimes if you have a lot of sugar, I think you can get it. Sometimes if you converse with the devil. Ah, okay. That's what did it. That's what it was. We did learn that Judy Bloom gets chronic UTIs and it makes her not able to ride her bike. Poor Judy. And we know she loves riding her bike based off of that documentary. And then one other thing that happened is we had a play date. My condolences. The parent isn't a friend of mine, but it's Sebastian's best friend from school and he really wanted to have this play date. You know, I gotta say, the lady was lovely but we went to American Dream Mall which is I guess the biggest mall in the country or something yeah you'll never see me there that place what a fucking that is the devil's playground that's why you got got your UTI (laughs) maybe that's how I got my UTI I just took off my underwear and rubbed my vagina all over I got my UTI at the American Dream Mall yeah (laughs) I went to the American Dream Mall and all I got was UTI UTI yeah but then we're in one of the food courts because you know there's like six of them and And my son pulls his pants down. In the food court? Yeah. He just playing with his friend was like, I'm going to pull my pants down. And I was like, what are you doing? What is the R. Kelly? He also flipped the bird. Whoa. So then I had to have that whole talk with the woman. He was really trying to peacock. He was peacocking. He was really peacocking. I mean, he left his underwear on, thankfully. Oh, okay. But he did pull down to his underwear. And so then I had to have this whole conversation with this woman who I now know doesn't drink. Already, we are not the same kind of mom. So I had to explain to this woman why my son thinks it's okay to curse. And I had to be like, look, I am okay with cursing in our house. I don't think we have to change what our kids are exposed to. I had to have this whole fucking talk after my kid just did this to her kid <laughs> and try to make it seem okay. And then when he dropped his pants, I was like, I really don't know. I don't, I don't know. I don't know where that came from. How did she react though? She didn't laugh like we did, but she was just like, okay. She was very much a nice lady just she and I have different kinds of lives well that sounds magical and I can't wait to have kids don't do it it's a trap all right Judy Bloom Generations of readers have found themselves in a Judy Bloom book. Her name alone launches a flood of memories for anyone who's gripped one of her many paperbacks. For decades, Bloom's radical honesty has comforted and captivated readers and landed her at the center of controversy for her frankness about puberty and sex. Bloom began writing in 1959 and has published more than 25 novels. The beloved American author has educated, entertained, and influenced millions of readers. Now two movies, Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret, and the new Sundance hit documentary, Judy Bloom Forever, are 
are bringing a Judy Bloom renaissance about, according to the New York Times. Today, we're chatting with Judy Bloom Forever co-directors Davina Pardo and Leah Wolchuk, which is streaming now on Prime Video. Then Judy Bloom herself, along with Rachel McAdams, Abby Ryder Forsten, and writer for the screen and director Kelly Freeman Craig for the new Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret, opening in theaters this Friday. In the new Judy Bloom Forever, the beloved American author candidly shares her own coming-of-age story. Emmy-winning filmmakers trace Bloom's journey from fearful, imaginative child to storytelling pioneer who elevated the physical and emotional lives of kids and teens to band writer who continues to fight back against censorship today. Welcome co-directors Davina Pardo and Leah Wolchuk. I did not go into this a Judy Bloom fan. She wasn't a pivotal part of my life, and the documentary absolutely turned that all around for me, and I just want all Judy Bloom all the time, everything. I don't know if I'm too old to be reading kids' books, but I think I'm going to start. I don't think you can ever be too old to read a kid's book. Were you big Judy Bloom fans before you started making this film? What were your favorite books? Tell me a little bit about how this came to be for you. Well, we're both sides of the coin. I was a huge Judy Bloom fan as a kid. I devoured all of her books. I don't remember the first one I read, but I remember where I read them. We had this very comfy reading chair at my house. And instead of sitting on the chair, I would sit in the crevice between the chair and the wall, perfectly sized for an eight-year-old. So many people have told us they can remember the feel of the rug that they sat on when they read Judy Bloom. They can remember the texture of the wallpaper behind them. I think it's such a visceral experience when you're a kid, especially books that you read and reread. I had the totally opposite experience from Davina. I wish I had a little crevice when I was eight years old that I was reading Judy Bloom's books in, but I grew up in the 80s in a southern town, Jacksonville, Florida, where Judy's books were banned and seen as taboo. And I did not read her juiciest books when I was a kid. I wish I had read them. I was flat-chested, insecure, shy. I would have really benefited from meeting Margaret on the page, but I didn't. I think I enjoyed internalized a lot of the shame surrounding periods and puberty and girls' bodies. And so I didn't want to do the wrong thing. And I was also a little bit nervous to read that book I'd heard about, about the girl who wants to get her period. I mean, I can understand that. Have you gone back and reread them? Do you have a favorite now? Judy signed on to do the film in February 2020. And then we all know what happens after that. Things Mm -hmm. really change in our world. So, you know, we were both home. Our kids were logging on to Zoom school and we were just doing a deep dive into Judy Bloom. So I was rereading the books. Just this visceral reaction to experiencing them again as the film developed. We were really looking at the books again and trying to figure out how they fit into the story of the film. It was such an escape. It was a really scary time in the world, but like a very luxurious place to be, to be going back to my childhood. How about you, Leah? As an adult reading these books, what was your favorite? First, I'll say that in that spring and summer of 2020, as Davina's described, that we were reading the books. I was reading for the first time. I was also sharing them with my kids who were tween and elementary school at the time. And so I was getting to experience them as an adult, appreciate Judy as a writer and appreciating these characters and imagining who I would have been if I had discovered them and then also getting to see how my kids were responding. They read every single kid's book of Judy's cover to cover. I read Margaret out loud and Blubber out loud to my then third grader. And Blubber is a very hard book to read out loud because the kids are so cruel to each other. It's painful to have to voice those words, but it was really important to read that book with him and talk to him about it, how it made him feel to experience that level of bullying 
bullying, that level of cruelty. But my favorite Judy Bloom book, again, because I don't have that childhood attachment, it's really shaped by my reading it as an adult, is Tiger Eyes. Tiger Eyes is such a beautiful portrait of grief and loss and longing and hope. And I think the writing is extraordinary. I think everybody kind of feels this, where you hit this moment where you're like, this is surreal. This is my life and I have made this happen. So what was that moment for you in making the film? I think the very first thing we filmed, which did not make it into our film, was Judy walking onto the set of Are You There, God, It's Me, Margaret, for the first time. I was so emotional as she was getting emotional. I mean, I could not stop crying. And the whole crew stopped what they were doing, stood up and gave her a standing ovation. And she entered the scene as a rock star. And we were following her with our camera, like a rock star walking onto the stage. (laughs) And I felt like, oh my God, we are experiencing this moment in Judy's life that she has been anticipating. That was a moment where I was like really pinching myself. So in the documentary, I didn't know that Judy is so strongly against censorship. She says that, quote, a book cannot harm a child. And we are obviously living in this really cyclical world where we move forward as a society and then we go back to banning books and wanting to stop kids from learning about their bodies. What do you hope people take from this film? Now that we're in this period where we're going backwards again, I'm originally from Miami. I was Uh, wondering, I had to ask, where did you grow up that you didn't read Judy Bloom? You're also a little bit younger, maybe, so that you weren't quite the Judy Bloom generation. That's part of it. But yeah, Florida, they're the main people doing these kinds of things right now. I would love to hear what you think about it, because I know I think it's crazy nonsense. It is outrageous. We are Mm -hmm. infuriated. At first, we were really shocked, even though I think we shouldn't have been. We should have seen the signs. When we were in our edit, Roe v. Wade was overturned. That conversation has been bubbling under the surface. The conservative right-wing activists have been working for that moment for a long time. So we should have seen it coming, but that was a horrible day for all of us on the filmmaking team. And we wanted to make sure that there was some hint of how crucial it is for girls to have access to information about their bodies and for women to be able to have the choice to do what they want with their bodies and sort of have a hint of that in the film and how Judy feels strongly about those things. And with the book banning, thinking about kids who are not going to have access to books they need to get information they need about their bodies that they might not be able to get anywhere else or kids who are feeling marginalized in their communities by their country are not going to see themselves reflected in a story are only going to see stories of straight white kids. Is that what we want for the future generation of Americans? No, No, of course not. Like you said, books cannot harm a child. They can only help a child. They can even save a child's life. So the fact that activists are working to take those books and legislatures and governors are working to get those books out of the hands of our kids and out of the schools and libraries in their communities is it's infuriating. Ladies, thank you so much for all of your time. Beautiful job with the film. Thank you for taking the time to chat with me. Judy Bloom Forever is streaming on Prime Video now. For over 50 years, Judy Bloom's classic, Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret, has connected with readers through its relatable story, achingly funny details, and candid exploration of life's biggest questions. In Lionsgate's big screen adaptation, 11-year-old Margaret is uprooted from her life in New York City for the suburbs of New Jersey, going through the messy and tumultuous throes of puberty with her friends in a new school. She relies on her mother, Barbara, played by Rachel McAdams, who is also struggling to adjust to life outside the big city, and her adoring grandmother, Sylvia, played by Kathy Bates, who isn't happy they moved away and likes to remind them every chance they get. First up, Judy Bloom and writer for the screen and director, Kelly Freeman Craig. 
It's truly an honor. We are two Jersey girls. And I want to mention that Exit 100, your rest stop is my favorite. It's my favorite rest stop to go to. I've only been there once. And when I was there, we were very excited. And we went inside and there was nothing. There was no display. Your books are all over there. Beautiful pictures of you. Yeah, so I can't wait to see it again. We started Momtourage because we were two moms that felt adrift after having children, both creatively and personally. We no longer recognized the women who we were. And this is just when your creative career really took off. And you did it in a time when women were not working as much and women usually either had kids or worked. And if you worked, maybe you were considered to not enjoy taking care of your kids and you did well and loved both of those things so amazingly. What was it like being with the other mothers in the cul-de-sac when that happened, when you started (laughs) writing real and juicy books? Like, are you there, God, it's me, Margaret? How was that being with the other mothers? I don't know that anybody ever said anything to me about it. It was so surreal because Kelly and I have talked about this, how different it was then. It was like, oh, she thinks she can write books now. (laughs) I didn't feel any support. And that's sad. I'm still very friendly with someone from that cul-de-sac. So I take her out of this, but I felt alone. I felt so alone. And for Kelly, it's, you know, different generation. Yeah. Lots of women are working. Most women are working. Yeah. But still a really hard balance. I find I'm constantly dealing with crushing maternal guilt because I work a lot and I love my work. But sometimes it takes me away from my kid and trying to find the balance between those things has been tough. They sometimes feel at odds. Well, thank you both for making us feel less alone because you really have. But now you guys are out there to help others who are going through it. So that's so good. Thank you so much. Rachel McAdams and Abby Ryder Fortson. For me, one of the most lasting parts of your career, Rachel, is the picture of you pumping. It is so iconic. It was right around the time where I was still breastfeeding my son. What do you want people to take from that photo? I've never seen anything like it, and I would love to see something like it again, but I don't know if we will. It was a very organic moment in the shoot. The photographer was really interested in just women in general and the pressures. Don't be too fat. Don't be too thin. Don't don't be too this, don't be too that, don't be more or less. Why is there so much emphasis on what I am or what I'm not? Out of that came, I have to pump and we're running behind. And why don't we just lean into this very real moment we're having right now where I'm wearing a Versace bra and I'm figuring out how the tubing can interact with that bra. I was into it because I feel like it's hidden for some reason. It's this totally natural thing. It's how you keep your child alive if that's the way you're doing it and not going with formula or something else. I remember having moments when I first started where I was like, is it okay to do this in public? And just surprising myself that I was still having these thoughts of, is there shame? I'm feeling some shame. And what is that all about? I felt really good in that photo shoot. I felt beautiful. I felt confident and felt like I was a mom out there working. And yet I'm still a mom. It can all happen at once. And to be on a set that was really embracing of that, it felt really good. Momtourage, we believe that you can have it all, but not either well or at the same time. And it's a crazy pressure to put on a woman to think that you can. You're a working mother telling the story of Barbara, a working mother. We always say, is there one thing that you think that moms, Abby, you can answer this too, not as a mom, maybe you're a pet mom, but as a woman, that they should outsource 
if they have the means to do so, since we can't always do everything all the time. I think it's super important to have a community of support. I know that tons of people have supported my mom and me and everyone, and it's really important to have a community. Sometimes you do get overwhelmed and you have so many things going on. I'm lucky that I have someone in my life who I can ask and I can call at 4 a.m. and be like, hey, what do you think about this? I kind of wish there were little chefs for babies. I loved with my firstborn, the whole baby led weaning and experimenting with food and handing him a giant carrot or a big chunk of broccoli. But the second one comes around and I feel like some experiential baby food person would be nice. Are you there, God? It's me, Margaret. Is only in theaters this Friday. What's the deal with Judy Bloom? Well, the deal is she's amazing. That's what the deal is. <laughs> Unlike regular What's the Deals, this is just kind of us here waxing Judy's car. That's why Eve is here because Eve is a big Judy Bloom fan. So Eve, what do you love? Well, I don't know if I've ever mentioned this before, but my mom died when I was a kid. <laughs> Never heard of it. I didn't know that. I think we read Tales of the Fourth Grade Nothing when I was in fourth grade. I just started getting obsessed with everything that she wrote and I read as many books as I could find. I would sit down and read it and it was like the only person who was talking to me like they understood me, which sounds so cheesy, but it's true. No, it doesn't. She wrote about periods. She wrote about masturbation. She wrote about bullying. She wrote about being fat. Blubber was a great book. We all read that together. And the thing about Blubber is that nobody is great in that book. The kid gets bullied, but then also she becomes the bully. It was so confusing because it was like, you can get bullied and that's not right, but you can also be a dick and that's also not okay. I remember that was the first book I read where I felt like a gray area as a kid, it made me very uncomfortable because normally things were very black and white in kids' books. And that one I just remember reading and being like, ooh, this is sitting weird. That's what's so amazing. She's an adult and she got into what it's like to be a kid. You get mad and you don't know how to deal with it and you're mean, but sometimes people are mean to you. And at the same time, your body's changing and you're like, what the hell is happening? No one was there to tell me that stuff. So I just was reading Judy Bloom and being like, oh, other kids. Actually, I don't even know if I knew that other kids were masturbating. I just knew I was. Me too. I mean, that's one of my strongest memories I have of my mom is her catching me masturbating when I was four or three and being like, come on, go to bed. And I was like, hey, hey. <laughs> <laughs> you had that voice with a cigar. Yeah, totally. I'm like there naked with a cigar like, mom, taking care of business. <laughs> Growing up as a kid in New Jersey in the 80s, Judy Bloom was on all the lists. Guys, let me give you some backstory in case you are not a Judy Bloom stan like I am. She's a Jew from Elizabeth, New Jersey. She's chic as fuck. She was a mom. She still is. She enjoyed being a mom, but also felt this urge to be creative. Judy loves riding her bike. She owns a bookstore in Key West. Does she really? Yeah, it's called Books and Books. And she pets the books. She pets them. Oh. And she works the bookstore. Her and her husband. How cute is that? I had heard about Judy Bloom when I was little because my mom was a Judy Bloom person. And I read, what's the Shield of the Great? Otherwise known as Sheila the Great. Yeah, I read that as a little kid, but I don't remember a thing about it other than saying to my mom, oh, I'm reading this book. And my mom was like, oh, I love Judy Bloom. Have you ever read? Are you there, God? It's me, Margaret. But otherwise, I really didn't have any emotional attachment. But watching that documentary, everything that the woman stands for and what she's done and what she made happen in her own life in this time where people weren't doing it, I just think she's this amazing, lovely woman. She was 
was so kind when we did the junket for Are You There, God? What is there not to like about this woman? Unless you're somebody who wants to be in books from kids and stop them from knowing about children's bodies. I cried multiple times in the documentary. One, because, you know, we talk about it all the time. The reason why we started Momtrage is because Ashley and I felt a little bit adrift after having a kid. And so did Judy. Mm -hmm. Her real author life happened after kids as a direct result of feeling like there needed to be more for her in her life creatively than just having kids and being a wife. I love her candid honesty about how she got married the first time because that's kind of what her mother wanted her to do. And it's what you did back then. Yeah. And after a while, it didn't serve her. And then she got married again and it was too quick and it was the wrong thing. And she felt terribly embarrassed to admit that she had rushed into it. Oh, wow. I didn't know any of this. Because they moved to Europe and she moved her kids there too. They all moved to Europe. She really didn't go into detail about that guy. I have a feeling it was a very bad marriage. And now she's with this straight up cute hippie weirdo lawyer. That she's been with since 79 or something. They canoodle and hold hands and probably do the dirty all the time. They lived in Santa Fe. And the way they talk to each other is really sweet and adoring. He's just this little Jewish lawyer hippie. They're so cute. They are really cute. They probably do the crossword together every day with their toes touching each other being (laughs) cute. I just was like, I wish I knew her in her Santa Fe days. The kind of parties they must have had. Man, I would have loved to been a fly on a wall at a Judy Bloom party in Santa Fe. I imagine them all just having fun orgies. Yeah, long dresses, macrame, tapestries. No bras anywhere. No. No bras, big bushes. This gem of a woman has written back to children. All the letters they write her. No, not all. She's written back to a lot of children and she's become pen pals with a select few. She went to one of the kids' college graduations. With her husband. It bums me out because had I written to her like, Dear Judy, I don't know if I've told you, but my mom died. She probably would have been my pen pal for life. Probably. You missed out. I really did. You could probably write to her right now and say like, Hey, Judy, I saw your documentary and, you know, I was a little kid and my mom died and you were the closest thing I had to somebody who could inform me. So I'm doing this retroactively because I just want to talk to you. You would really like me. We both like bikes. We both masturbate. So I'm just going to go through a couple of books. Blubber, I already said, made me feel as a kid. I was so confused. I was like, everybody is not that great in this book. I just remember in one part, the girl who they call Blubber, they lift her dress up over her head or something. I just remember looking at the cover and being like, that girl is not that big. No, of course not. But back then it was like everybody was skinny. I know. I was like, that girl looks healthy to me. The book would be different if you wrote it today because there's so much body acceptance, but not in the 80s and 90s, man. You were a little bit heavier and you were just like a fat kid. Yeah, because your mom was on the Cambridge diet. The Cambridge diet? Well, I didn't have a mom. Oh, <laughs> That's a liquid diet that women just got so skinny because it was like zero calories. It's like Maisel's oh, mom. Oh, is that I'm the- I'm having a grapefruit and a shake and then a martini for dessert. Eggs and stuff. Your mom yeah. has a lot of gas, but she's thin. Maybe a little ambrosia salad. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Summer Sisters. You remember that one? That made me so angry because I never went to camp. It's not about camp, but it's about Martha's Vineyard and these friends. Right. This is one of the grown-up ones she wrote, right? YA. I read it and thought I was reading a grown-up novel, but it was actually 
YA. I had to request this one and forever and wifey when I was a kid from the big library. Oh. I bought wifey just now. I had to put in the request for it to be sent from the college library to my home library. I was like, ooh, I'm doing something illicit. I'm getting a book sent. Summer sisters made me so mad because I grew up in an all Jewish town and all the kids went to summer camp and I never went to camp. All my friends who had summer camp friends, they still have them today. Their summer camp friends are still their best friends. They're now 45 years old. And I was like, I will never be a summer sister. Yeah, but she doesn't go to camp in the book. I know, but it made me remember. It just made me feel like these friends that do things in the summer. I was like, mm, and then your friends forever. It's very I beaches. I don't have anyone to give my dad when I'm dead my kid to. It is very beaches because I'm going to spoil this. Sorry, because the friend dies. Yeah. So Ashley, this book is about on Martha's Vineyard, these two friends, you have the protagonist and then you have our friend Caitlin. You remember names? Well, because I wanted to be Caitlin who dies in the end because she's so cool. She's cool. She's cool and everybody wants to fuck her but they don't say that. She just has this joie de vivre. She's kind of wild from this kind of hippie family and then in the end she just drowns and leaves her daughter an orphan and I was like, I want that life. (laughs) (laughs) At her funeral, someone's wife sings Yesterday by the Beatles. Every time I hear Yesterday, I always think of Caitlin's funeral. And I wish it were me. I just wish it were me. I'll sing it at your funeral. You'll have orphaned a plant. I'll be like, I'll take that plant. You can take my plants. I have a lot of plants. And just a shout out to Linda, named after my mom. Linda, my mom, Stara. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Thanks. Ever since I remember to the protagonist, she straddles her husband in the bath. Judy Bloom got sexy for all those of us who yeah. were sexually inexperienced at the time. I was like, oh, you can get on a guy in the bath on top. Oh, I didn't know about this world. Wasn't forever really sexual too? That's the next one. Forever. This is the first line of the book. Sybil Davidson had a genius IQ and has been laid by six different guys. I was like, it's me. I'm Sybil. Because I lost it early. How old? old? 14. I loved it. I mean, now having a kid, I'm like, wow, that was young, but I don't regret it. I was more responsible then than I was in my 20s. I had a very healthy relationship with this person. It gave me a positive positive feeling about my sexuality and forever made me feel kind of okay about being who I was because I went to Catholic school so I had to keep it hidden but it made me feel like oh it's okay nothing bad's gonna happen to me. As a person who didn't read it again from the documentary what I really liked about this concept of the book is that she wanted to write a book about two kids in a committed relationship who are having sex but there was no consequence there was nothing bad no one got pregnant no one got STD there was no death it was just they had sex and life went on and I love that because I feel like even now we don't do that we don't give people that everything has to have some horrible consequence and that's not life there are horrible consequences to face but all the times nothing happens and it's okay and it ends up being fine Deanie was so confusing to me because at one point I wanted to be Deanie because she was a model and she was pretty and then she had that brace oh that's the one where she has scoliosis right that was still when we had to do that scoliosis test where you had to wear your sports bra and you had to dive in front of the nurse you're like dive and I just remember being like oh if you're pretty you're gonna have to wear a brace good thing I'm not pretty (laughs) and then this one girl Debbie had to wear a brace and I was like oh Debbie's wearing a brace what's happened with Debbie is she Deanie is it just all D names (laughs) are you there got it to me Margaret made me feel less weird because I've talked about this on the show before there was a breakdown crucifix for last rites and Jesus started to fall off of it and I felt bad because he was only
only hanging by one nailed hand. And I thought that's terrible. His foot and his other hand had fallen off. And I was like, that's a lot of weight on that one hand. So I asked my grandmother and I put him in a shoebox with tissues and I carried him around like a doll baby for like three years. And I slept with him. And I thought that because I was taking care of him because he was in pain that I would get extra credit with Jesus. So every night I would talk to him. I would cuddle with Jesus in a shoebox in tissues. And I would be like, Jesus is my buddy. I helped him off the cross here. So I carried around this shoebox Jesus forever. And the fact that Margaret talked to Jesus, I was like, see, it's not that weird. Yeah, yeah. That's what that book is about, how you're normal. (laughs) (laughs) I masturbate. I have Jesus in a shoebox. Same, same. And he sits next to me and he tells me I'm a good girl. That is kind of what I did. And I put him in a baby stroller. Well, try this. I had to masturbate always wondering if my mom was watching me. Oh, Oh, that sucks. That sucks. And I came so hard. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God, that just put a whole damper on on your life. (laughs) My whole life, I'm like, oh... Is she? No. Every time you're fucking someone, do you think is mom watching you right now? (laughs) I've definitely thought about it before. Wow. I used to have a joke about it where I was like, if she is, could she just tell him, like, whisper better directions? To the left. The clitoris is to the left. But he's going down on me. She's like, finger at the same time. She likes it this way. (laughs) (laughs) Give him a nice little pat when he gets the spot. Good job. If she has been there this whole time, she would know what I'm into. Okay, so the other one that I love, I really love this book, In the Unlikely Event. Have you guys read that one? I don't think I did. That's the one that she says in the documentary she was made to write that has a plane on the cover. Yes. So the true story is three planes crashed in Elizabeth, New Jersey over the course of two to three years. They just fell from the sky. And this narrative takes place kind of not because of that, but around that event. And I was like, this is Carrie Sotero bingo. Weird plane crash, possible conspiracy theory, business, New Jersey, coming of age. I was like, this is God. Uh, pretty much everything you need for me in a book. I've reread it as an adult and I still enjoy it. My Evel and Bogan Bingo is starring Sally J. Friedman as herself because she thinks that her neighbor is Hitler. And that <laughs> is so funny. That's a Judy Bloom book? Yeah, yeah. It's in Florida. I remember I brought this book to France. It makes me sound so. I brought it to France. It was the only time we ever went. No, that's not true. We went to France multiple times. <laughs> but <laughs> I brought it to France with me when I was 10. Sally J. Friedman lives in, I think, Miami Beach, somewhere in Florida. Yeah, I think it's Miami Beach. She thinks her neighbor is Hitler. Hitler and then he fled. And so she's trying to figure it out the whole time. In the documentary, they talk about how as a little kid, Judy was so scared of Hitler. This is an Ashley bingo thing. It gave her a lot of anxiety and made her really nervous. And I remember the summer before fourth grade reading The Diary of Anne Frank. And now it's like a fucking running gag in my family. Everyone's like, oh, here goes Ashley with the Holocaust again. And I'm like, (laughs) Guys, this is not a joke. Like, it happened. It's a thing that happened and is extremely terrifying. Why are none of you as scared about this happening again? I have a lot of Holocaust attachment myself. I think every Jew who was really Jewish in synagogue went to Jewish day school because I went to Jewish day school. So that's why I had to read this shit. I think that the Holocaust is for Jewish kids what guilt about sex is for Catholics. That sounds about right. Where you're just really young, they get you. And then you're like, I know that it's probably okay, but for your whole life, you have this fear, these feelings. And then I went on birthright and they took us to the fucking Holocaust Museum in Israel. I went on birthright. uh, Did you go to the Holocaust Museum? The worst place I've ever been in my life? To Yad Vashem? I did. Yeah, it was pretty bad. They really do bang that into Jewish kids' heads. It's the Holocaust and all that other shit. So I can understand why. Why Judy Bloom would be obsessed with it in that way. Absolutely. She was closer to it than you guys were. Oh, for sure. She lived during it. I just think it's such a funny idea being like, I think 
think I found Hitler. And you're like, 10? <laughs> and they're like, who do I tell? I solved the case. Hashtag swag bag. Angled powder puffs. They have a little strap. They're really good because you can get really deep into your eye. And I'm really into powdering under my eyes because it's the only thing that makes me not look dead at this point. And I think this 12 pack was $10, but it'll be linked in our show notes. Mine is called the knuckle and it's a massage tool and you use it different ways. It gets right in here in your titty area, your occipital ridge of your neck. You put it the different ways and then you go back and forth and it gives you that good, bad feeling of where it feels like, oh. Mm. I'm going to pop my head off. There's a couple other different ways you can use it in between your shoulder blades. I sometimes use it as a cell phone holder. But anyway, it's called the knuckle and it's a massage tool. All right, guys. Well, it's been real. Have a great week and make sure you read some Judy Bloom, I guess. Are you there? It's us, Mom Taraj. Bye. 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 Okay, that's our show today, folks. Thank you so much for giving us a listen. Please do not forget to rate, review, and subscribe or follow. We are out here on our own and these things really, really matter. We want to hear from you. Tell us what you want to hear. Email us at hello at momtouragepodcast.com. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok, all at Momtourage Podcast to hang out with us all week long. We are here for you. You are not alone. We got you. So go ahead, girl. Know this posse is behind you and go slay. Momtourage is a Cafe Mom podcast written and produced by Ashley Heron-Smith and Carrie Sotero. Recorded and mixed by Lee Mars. Our theme song, MILF, is by the band Mama Drama. You can find them on Instagram at mamadramaband or mamadramaband.com. the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.